Worldwide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. I, for one, don't really believe in individual statues. It's just, it's contrary to my thought process because when I think of an individual player being bronzed and put on a campus, and by the way, Oklahoma does it for all of their Heisman Trophy winners. All seven guys have statues outside of that beautiful stadium there in Norman, Oklahoma. It's what they do. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's impossible to win the Heisman by yourself. So if you are going to immortalize a specific individual, I think it must come with recognition that, hey man, there were 120 so odd teammates that helped get him to that position. So I'm not one for Heisman Trophy statues. It's it's not my thing, never has been, never will be. I don't know who that was, but it sounds like someone probably not good enough to have a statue. Uh, let's see. Greg McElroy. Yeah, checks yeah. out. Not good yeah. enough to have a statue. <laughs> what, a, what a weird take, huh? I, uh, uh, I, I just, for the uh, life of me, I don't understand that one. Oh, it's, it's not a, okay. It's a, it's a weird take. It's a weird take for him. It's not a weird take for like Barry Sanders. If Barry Sanders said I I don't believe in statues, I don't believe in individual recognition from a guy that's kind of lived that way his entire life, right? That take would make sense. But again, not from uh Greg Not a McElroy. game manager. Game managers <laughs> can't have takes like that. Yeah, I just uh, I I I don't know. I you win, a, you win a Heisman Trophy, you have Heisman Park, it's for the fans, it's for the program to flex on. Like, who's Yes, he is right. It does take an entire team for someone to win the Heisman Trophy. You do, right. you do technically have to fill out 10 other players on the offense to win a Heisman Trophy. That much is true. But who's to say that teammates don't look at that statue and say, yeah, that's awesome, man. Helped him win the Heisman Trophy. He was a teammate of mine. He's a buddy of mine. Like that statue out there kind of symbolizes how dominant of an offense we are. I, I just, yeah. I don't look at it the, like this selfishly, the, I guess, the way that he does, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I just th- thought it was a weird take. Yeah. I, um, I've told you this, and I tell Jason White all the time that, um, you know, the defense won that Heisman <laughs> Trophy for him. Okay. That's just, it's a team game, right? That's how it goes. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. I wonder how he got into that conversation. It was a random mailbag question that McElroy uh, got on his podcast, and he goes on to say, "Of course, by the way, because his head coach has a statue outside the stadium." Now, right. if we want to talk about statues here, 
I'm cool with statues, but let's give it to a head coach who's there with the everyday grind. It's like, oh, okay, Greg, I see you. You're not down for the individual uh. statues, but uh, your old ball coach has one outside Bryant-Denny yeah. Stadium. You're all for that one, huh? So when a player wins a championship or an award, it's a team sport. But when a coach wins a championship or award, it's all him, huh? Huh. Very convenient, I should say. That's funny. Well, um, it's a good thing we didn't ask uh, McElroy before we started building statues. Yeah. I, good thing he went on the ESPN Plus broadcast. That would have uh, dampened the mood a little <laughs> bit, right? That's yeah, cool. I personally don't believe in OU doing this. It's just uh, not my great. thing. Uh, McElroy is a crybaby bee who hates OU. That's from the 405. You're going to enjoy some of these on the text line today. Oh, I bet. 240, Greg is acting like we purposefully are ignoring the rest of the team. 405, maybe we start giving the whole team a Heisman. What a dip. SH, you know what. Right. Well, here's the point. And I think everyone everyone recognizes this. Everyone does. The Heisman Trophy is not awarding an individual a team championship or award. It simply goes to the best player in college football. And a lot of times, not a lot of times, Often that player doesn't even play on a team that was in contention for a championship. Caleb Williams, USC wasn't in contention for a championship last year. Um, Lamar Jackson, whenever he won his Heisman, his team wasn't in contention for a national championship. I mean, that's it's the best player. It's It's not a championship award to an individual player. So, again, it's stupid. Um, is it still a thing when a family like pours concrete at a house? You know, you, you see how the uh, the kids you put your hands in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that's what McElroy wants the OU statues to be. You have the statue, and then every player has their handprint in the uh, in the concrete around it, and you get to sign uh, it and date it right there. Maybe that's what he's. Nobody knows this, but I actually went out and did that in the concrete at the new softball stadium. <laughs> whenever they poured all the concrete footings and everything, right on home plate where that's going to be. Yeah, that's where you put that's your handprint. Right. Nice, Love right that. in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, boy, people got opinions today, and I love it. Uh, I like it. Probably wants everyone to have participation trophies and texture in the 405. Uh, I can't understand why Greg McElroy seems to have an axe to grind with Oklahoma. He didn't play against OU or even overlap with any of OU's elite teams. I have no idea if Greg McElroy uh, dislikes OU or not. Some have said that that is the case with the way that he talks about them. Maybe they didn't offer him out of South Lake Carroll. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he grew up disliking them. I don't know, but he did grow up in the uh, North Texas area, so there could yeah. be something there. There's possi possibly some of that going on. I think kind of like um, like Barstool has started to do, and you know, there's plenty of people, Feinbaum, uh, The Herd, a lot of these people have figured out that uh, Oklahoma's got a very engaged online fan base. So an easy way to uh, to get a lot of attention, a lot of traction with something is 
to say something negative about Oklahoma because the Oklahoma fans will jump in, start engaging with whatever, uh, you know, wherever you release, release that, that take, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or, you know, whatever. And the more interaction you get, the more it's elevated. So I, I think that is what drives a lot of it. Now, obviously some of that is legit and they, they may actually believe that way, but you know, your bias can steer you a certain direction. It is true. If every man. time you say something negative about Oklahoma, you get tons of interaction, well, that just reinforces that, and you're going to start thinking negative about Oklahoma, right? Because it, it pays off for you. Back to the text line. I lost several brain cells for hearing that opening clip. How are people allowed to be that stupid publicly? <laughs> <laughs> no way Saban claims that crybaby. McElroy grew up a UT fan. Uh, let's see. Uh, heard it on his podcast. I guess he claims he grew up a Texas fan. I didn't know that. Brian and Tolson never thought Sumwood would sound even more dumb than Feinbaum, but Greg, uh, Greg took the lead on that one. SEC media, guys, that's what we get. Out there for yeah. the hot take. And, and really something that doesn't matter. I, I, I don't even know if you call that a hot take. Maybe you call it a stupid take, but... It's statues outside the stadium. Who really cares about that at the end of the day? I mean, I know we care about it here, but it, it's not something that you should be upset about. I'll say that. Right. Well, I, yes. I, I think it happens to, uh, to be a really cool aspect of the fan experience at Oklahoma. Whenever you can walk around the, the campus and the immediate area around the stadium and see some of the players that you watched play and walk your kid by the Selman statue and and tell stories about the Selman brothers or, you know, walk by the Sam Bradford statue and reminisce and tell stories and, you know, things that you saw Sam Bradford do on the football field and, you know, walk by Switzer and Bud and and Coach Stoops statues and talk about some of their great uh, moments. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's not. Like, it would be one thing if Kyler Murray commissioned a statue to be built in his own honor by himself, right? Like that's something different. But whenever a program recognizes what you did, um, not just recognizes what you did, understands that what you did, you know drove the success of a lot of people around there not just the team but the the people in the administration the the entire school you know the the local community people that benefit from uh when oklahoma does well in football people want to come watch i mean it's a huge part of the community here huge part of the economy so Again, I can go all day about how stupid that is. It's stupid. I mean, it's they, they've done a really cool they, – they've done a really good job with Heisman Park, which that was that, – that didn't go up until after you left, correct? Heisman Park? I, I feel like – I feel like maybe there was – I feel like maybe there was a statue there early on at one point, but – when was the first one? Who was the first one they put up? So, sculptures of Heisman winners Billy Vessels and Steve Owens have been placed with Billy Sims to be made publicly. 
Saturday before OU's opener with North Texas. That was in 2007. So it was okay. Vessels or Owens that had the first, and they just have been gradually uh, just been right. adding them uh, over time. Well, okay, yeah. But they, they've, done a, they've done a really nice job with Heisman Park, and I would say, let me think, in terms of areas of the stadium, like excluding just taking a photo from your seat, that's got to be the area that sees the most photographs on a OU game day, right? Like, what what else sure. would come close to that? I mean, that's it, it's kind of become one of the cooler areas or cooler things of a game day experience around the stadium. Yeah, you've got people that are all surrounding it uh, before, during, after the game. Um, if you drive by there on just a, a typical day, there's a pretty decent chance that you're going to see someone either standing there looking and reading or snapping a photo or you know there's a family standing around someone that's in town to visit looking at the sites around town i mean it's it's huge on game day obviously but it's a it's a um it's definitely a place of interest if you happen to be in town and haven't been by there before uh, so if 125 cool. players were permitted to give a hand print in concrete which of the 125 shoots the bird? <laughs> now, there's something that could get us all three hours today. If 125 players were permitted to put a handprint in concrete, which of the 25, 125 shoots the bird? Are you or Dan Cody putting the, the bird in the concrete on the statue of Jason White? Mm, I don't – I'm trying to think. 120 of – like of all 120 players of all time, who's most likely, or like the current of each one? Team? Yeah, well, yeah, of like uh, so 125 on Kyler's team, 125 on uh, Baker's gotcha. team, basically. Yeah. Oh man, I'll have to think about that a little bit. I think Baker is the one that would do it on his own statue for 100%, the guys yes. that he played with. <laughs> he probably lobbied for uh, the double birds to be the the actual commissioned statue that uh, they were going to make. Uh, for Kyler. Cody Ford. Cody Ford, maybe. I don't know. I don't feel like it's an off – like some guys – can uh would like to communicate that way other guys like to communicate physically by like smashing people i feel like that's the offensive line it's always like a wise guy you know and baker was the ultimate wise guy no doubt 918 mcelroy probably has a statue in his front yard of himself (laughs) (laughs) right uh nice all right 405-651-3439 i don't know if greg mcelroy's slander is going to fill up the show today but I'm not going to say that I'm against it. If that's indeed what happens on this Friday, then I will totally allow that to happen. I yeah. can have that day. Yeah, I, well, you know I love us, Petty. Keep hitting us on the text. I will hit a quick opening timeout. I'm hanging out today at Sooner Station, which is awesome. If you haven't seen this place, it's really cool. Brand new community right here in Norman over at the University North Park. Uh Popular mixed-use destination here, direct access to the best shopping and dining in all of Norman. Uh, I just got here, and this place is incredible. I'll tell you a little bit more about it as the show rolls on. Stay tuned. We'll be back. March means madness, and madness means you score big at Dorsey Jones in El Reno. Save big on a new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500 Crew Cab SLT 4x4. And at SignatureCustomPools.com and turn your backyard into your dream escape. 
I just want to give a shout out to Sooner Nation uh, for supporting me since day one, since I got to Oklahoma. Uh, young kid from D.C. Uh, just being behind me, uh, rooting for me and the guys on the field week in and week out. Then I want to uh, really say thank you to Coach B for everything he's done for me, um, recruiting me from D.C. and just being on me, uh, coaching me hard, teaching me things, everything I need to know to get where I am today. So a lot of this is because of you. So I just want to thank everybody and definitely thanks to the nation and Coach B. moment last night, Anton Harrison, number 27 overall to the Jacksonville Jags. Bill Biedenboe's first first round selection as an offensive line coach and talked about it yesterday, but Jacksonville seems like they're a team on the rise, especially, man, they, they pushed Kansas City in Arrowhead last year. Trevor Lawrence made some big strides with uh, Doug Peterson as head coach. Feels like Jacksonville's going to be a contender here for the next several years moving forward. Anton Harrison being uh, one of their tackles with uh, Trevor Lawrence, it feels like that's a really, really good spot for him. Happy for Anton. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, if you're not going to be a top ten pick, then I, I'm, I fully believe that it's about fit, and you want to go to a place that makes more sense long term, where you have a chance to win. And I know that that can be. You look at Jacksonville, and it's like, well, what, Jacksonville, long-term? I think they're actually set up pretty good. Um, we'll see what happens with them, obviously. I, like, I think that division, I I don't think there's anyone in that division that really just scares you long-term. And Unless Anthony Richardson is a dude, but I, that's yeah. a crapshoot. Uh, the Texans... They took a gamble at quarterback yesterday as well. Like the AFC South has been down for a while, and like that's that's going to continue to be a gettable division, I think. That's that's how I feel about it. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm happy for him. I think that that is a a good spot for him. Good location. I think he can do some really good stuff there, and we'll just see. We'll see. I mean, uh, congratulations to him. He's uh, he's earned it. I was kind of, I guess not shocked. I expected that he would go a little bit higher than that. I thought he was going to go maybe in the uh, the high teens, early 20s. But at that point, who really cares, right? Sounds like he's going to make around uh, six and a half mil in a signing bonus, which old Uncle Sam takes half of that, mm. right? Around a four-year, 13.1 million dollar deal for Anton so uh, his life Florida has no state income tax which is a very very (laughs) nice situation but Uncle Sam takes half of that signing bonus correct six and a half Uncle Sam Uncle Sam will take a very very sizable chunk of that uh that signing bonus absolutely but hey you know it's hey it's kind of interesting um Every professional athlete happens to have a residence in Florida, uh, whether they actually live there or not. <laughs> State income oh, tax. Oh, Dave Portnoy, a uh, barstool recently bar- yeah. brought uh, bought property in Florida. So, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, everyone it's, it's everyone pretty... has at least an apartment where they've got a credit card bill or two that gets sent there as their air quotes residence. Brent from Jink says the Heisman statues cost between 100000 and 175000 Such a small investment in the grand scheme to have an incredible visual 
about 900k less than Texas A&M paid per recruit in 2022. Boomer, that's right. very, very nice job, Brent. Very very nice job. That, that is exactly no, no. I, right. we, we talked about last segment, but it's cool on several fronts. It's a cool. You know, photo opportunity, and not just you know. If there were only two there, maybe it would be. But the fact that you got like seven of them out there now, it's quite the flex. It's a cool thing for fans, and I'm sure it's a pretty cool thing to show off to recruits, especially since yeah. it's right outside the stadium. The proximity they picked for it was perfect. Like, just all around, well done on on Heisman Park. For as much as we tend to complain about things, Heisman Park was very well done. They did a great yeah. job with it. That's right. And uh, here's the thing, I. I don't know. Maybe this makes uh, Miguel Roy feel a little bit better. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, a lot of it is, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, but a lot of it is, like, this is an, an opportunity for the university to, uh, at, this, at the same time as recognizing the great contribution that those athletes had, to the success of the program in the university, but it's also a great opportunity for them to also use that as just like we were talking about a recruiting piece, of course. a of course, uh, a place of interest. It's you know it, it serves both sides. So yeah, uh, G Mac is jealous because he backed up Chase Daniel in hike school mm. and later watched him receive more Heisman votes and then go on to win a Super Bowl with the Saints while he sat on the bench with the Jets. Ooh. It's the slanders happening right today. To the point. And right uh, just for your amusement and happiness, the text did say high school. I did not say it that I know. way. It's beautiful. God, don't we have the best? We got the best little community here, or huge community, 35, 36 people. Sean says Greg McElroy is just lashing out because he's afraid Aaron Rodgers will pass all of his records as a Jets quarterback. <laughs> he needs about <laughs> like one game this year to get that. Yeah, that, that'll probably happen. <laughs> um, man, so we got a lot to talk about today in terms of the SEC schedule because there's a mm-hmm. story out today that SEC leaders are split on the 3-6 schedule model versus the 1-7 schedule format. And I, and I found it interesting that – Apparently, the smaller budget programs in the SEC want just eight games, and the bigger bu- uh, budget programs want nine games. So the hmm. Vanderbilts, the Missouris, I would guess, the Mississippi States, come on, let's just play eight conference games. The Georgias, the Tennessees, the LSUs, sounds like they're pushing for a nine-game SEC schedule. But apparently Sankey is saying, like, the SEC ADs are going to meet next week, and then Mm -hmm. four weeks from when they meet are those spring meetings in Destin. And Sankey's saying, like, I mean, we're going to need to vote at some point, so we are hoping a decision is made on that, at least by Destin. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that the less competitive schools want fewer games. The because the three six model is unless I'm unless I'm misremembering as we went through this, but doesn't the three six model have you playing the rotation of the other six games? You're able to rotate through every one in four years. Correct. Is that right? Home and away. Right. Yeah. Home and away. So 
I'm surprised that the smaller, less competitive schools are pushing back on that because that is the the schedule that is, in my opinion, the least open to manipulation. Now, the eight game where there's not a set rotation, and maybe they could have a set rotation with one and, and seven, but... I feel like that situation is way more open to manipulation, which means the less competitive schools uh, on a given year can be hammered schedule-wise Yep. instead of having it balanced out over over four years. Yeah. Yeah, and in that 1-7, that you play one permanent opponent every year, seven rotating is, is how that would work. And in, in, in terms of um, how often would you get to play every team in the conference, I have no idea – what the thought is on that with the uh, one seven versus the three six? Yeah. the The interesting thing too is, so the SEC currently plays eight conference games, right? Eight conference, four non conference, which is one Correct. more non conference than what OU has been playing in the Big Twelve. The SEC has a rule where eight conference games, four non con, you have to play at least one Power Five school in the non con. Mm-hmm. The big question now is, all right, well, if we go to nine conference games, which, by the way, if the bigger schools want nine conference games, I think we're going to nine conference games. If you right. go to nine conference games, are they still going to make you play one Power 5 non-con every single year? That's the big question. I don't think that would be too big of an issue with OU because they have several Power 5 schools coming up, but... I would be fine with instituting that. Like, out of your three non-con games, you can play at least one Power Five, and that's agreed upon by everyone. That shouldn't be a deal-breaker to me. Yeah. You know, I would say that if you – since we – the fact that you have to schedule the non-conference games uh, so far out in advance – kills a lot of the way that you could fix it where you could say like if you finish in the bottom half of the conference you don't have to schedule a a power five in your non-conference right um that would help those schools out a little bit but you know i i don't know maybe you you could if you're playing nine conference games you could make that to where you have to have a power five school every other year as a non-conference like there's a way sure there's there's plenty of ways for them to compromise but I think you hit the nail on the head whenever you said the bigger if the bigger schools want to play nine, you're going to play nine because um, it's not it's it's bigger schools. It's more like revenue producing schools for the conference, right? The teams that bring in the big bucks, whether um, whether anyone would ever admit it or not, their vote. It's not necessarily one one school, one vote, it doesn't feel like, right? No, but that it, that's also going to be funny because Texas is going to have an opinion on this and they're so used to just being able to throw out that opinion and it counts for like nine votes in the Big 12. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're going to have that same mentality in the SEC and everyone's going to look at them like, uh, yeah, your vote counts as one vote. Thanks, Texas. Thanks, thanks, for, your, thanks for your input. They, they, they think they're going to be able to move their weight around in the SEC, too. I can't wait for that realization. Well, That's it's not it's be the case. probably more like uh, you and Oklahoma don't have a full share yet, so 
you get a third of a vote, all right? <laughs> you and Vanderbilt. You, you guys there. each get a half of a vote. You can vote together, and we'll we'll count it as one. Uh, we got some pins here. OU, Texas, Vanderbilt, Missouri. There's some crayons over there in a cup in the back. You guys can uh, go vote with those crayons back there. Right. No, but if they want to do the nine-game SEC schedule with the one Power Five mandatory in the non-con, it does make it a little bit tricky for OU in 2024, and I'm sure that they'd figure it out. But right now, in the non-con in 24, OU's first year in the SEC, you got Temple at home, an open date, and then Tulane at home. Maybe that yeah. other open date would just be what we've kind of theorized, Kansas State, Baylor, or Texas Tech, as some of those makeup games lead the Big 12 early and a Big 12 team that you don't play this year for inventory. I don't know that. Yeah. That's just a guess. But that, there's your right. Power 5 game if you have to have one. Yep. I – I don't know. I, my guess is they'll probably take the Power Five situation out. But here's the, here's the reality is up until right now, everyone's been operating on the, um, the rules that you have to. So their non-conference schedules are probably Power Five already negotiated for several years, just like ours are, right? Uh, and I guess technically you could probably back out of those if, if, you, if you absolutely needed to. But my guess is most people that have scheduled those, those bigger non-conference uh, home and aways are not going to reschedule them, right? Yeah. So some people are already locked into that whether they want to be or not. Uh, for the 405, the 17, you would still play every SEC team every two years. Think Texas every year and the other 14 schools rotating every other year. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's the case and that's how they do it, then frankly, I don't care. And I may even like the the one seven. You know why I like but, the one seven is, huh? I'd only have to play Missouri every other year instead of every year. Hmm, intriguing. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I, I, I just I don't feel like that. And I could be proven wrong, but I don't. I feel like that's not going to be. No three done. three but six I, three six is the model that they're going to go with. I feel pretty confident on that. Yeah. What do you think – forget what we want as fans. Is, would it be better for Oklahoma at least maybe in the beginning to do the 1-7? No, because uh, I don't think Florida's in great shape right now, and I don't necessarily see them being a year away, and I don't see Missouri being any better than what they are right now. Like In terms of the 3-6 models that are out there, Teddy, like, seriously, well, this, this shocks me. I think OU might have the most favorable one out of the three permanent opponents. Yeah, it's less about that and more about the extra conference game, the ninth conference game. No, I, I, See, I, I think for recruiting purposes, Missouri, Florida, I, I actually think the 3-6 model would be best for OU, honestly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't think it matters. I think that if you knew exactly what years were going to be your peak years and what years were going to be your down years, like if you knew when those were going to be, you could probably make an argument that one may be better than the other. But 
it's it's not totally random, but it's somewhat random of, of when you're going to be good and not. And I just feel like it's all going to end up being a wash. What's the best for season so, ticket sales? One seven or the three six? The next SEC well, game I mean, in there. There's an interesting topic though, because we have a neutral site game. So if we do, if we if we only play eight um, conference games, then we're going to be missing a home game. What every other year? Yeah, three. You have three home SEC games every other year. Yep. For so, sure. all right, to me, that's a that's a big enough reason right there to want the nine. So, yeah, especially you, like, you could have a home schedule of uh, let me think like Missouri. Arkansas and Ole Miss in terms of SEC. Now, that would still be a whole heck of a lot better than what you have this year, but not exactly the dream SEC home scenario that we've all thought of for the past two years. Right. Yeah, so I, anyone with the neutral site, which is your bigger schools that have the neutral site matchups, or how many are there right now? Well, the it's, just, it's just OU Texas, if Florida, Georgia, but I think they're moving to home sites here. That Georgia Are wants they? to move it to on campus, yeah. So okay. I guess OU Texas could be the only one, pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I, then if then I guarantee you that um, we're we're using our half vote to vote for the the three six to try and get the uh, the extra home game in there. All right, quick timeout. Hang out Sooner Station today. Really, really cool. Brand new community right here in Norman over at the University North Park. Uh, They've got all kinds of different floor plans. They've got all kinds of perks that you have here. Really, really cool community. If you haven't been here, you've got to come take a a tour around this place. I'm sitting in a a little lounge that's got a huge TV and a full-service bar overlooking the the swimming pool outside. This place is amazing. Come check us out here at Sooner Station. We'll be back. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. Fowler Auto Group is people an alternative, a place they could go to understand their money, to know why investment decisions were made the way they were, and to create a financial plan that would help them meet their goals. Most of all, I wanted to help them plan their prosperity. Call me at 405-329-8884 or dmwealth.com. It's the Rush on the Ref. Cavens Group bringing you this hour of the Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, CavensGroup.com. If you have an emergency repair, it's all over at Marita Hines Field. OU wins game one of the three-game set against Kansas. 8 nothing in five innings. Jordy Ball hits a uh, walk-off in that game. So mm. I told you Monday, I think, OU's played in four Big 12 series. And in three out of those four, the opposing team has failed to score more runs than OU has total wins the entire weekend. Well, we're through one game of this series – Kansas runs zero, OU wins one. So we are on pace for this to be the fourth Big 12 series out of five Big 12 series played where the opposing teams failed to score more runs than the amount of OU wins over the weekend. Crazy. I love that stat. It's crazy. Also, what I think is interesting is um, 
It's been a while since someone has scored a run. Yeah, um, the Texas, the last game against Texas at home, I think was, that was the last time at least someone scored in Norman. Is that the last time someone scored, period? It may be. That was a uh, long time ago. Yeah, okay, so it was um, Was it that April, April 2nd. Was it that Sunday Texas game when it happened? 10 to 2, yeah. Jeez. 10 to 2. It's been 26 they, days since they've allowed a run. <laughs> God. Yeah. It was 10 to 2. Then they had a a series shutout against Tech. They had a shutout against LSU. Uh, you know what? That's not true. They had uh, the Louisville game. They gave up a run, oh, and the Miami of Ohio game. They gave up a run. Jeez, come on, guys! But you know, as far as Big Twelve uh, conference games, Big Twelve play. Yeah, they've had. Um, they had. Three, two full series sweeps with uh, without giving up a run, and then if they do it against Kansas, which they're off to a uh, a good start, so so that's seven consecutive, seven, seven consecutive uh, conference games, conference conference uh, shutouts. Then, yep. Jeez, <laughs> it's just yep. I don't I don't know what else to say about them. I mean, other than. I just think I've had this take. I think that this could be the best pitching staff that's ever played the game before. I, I think that that is. I, I think that that's going to be. I, I, it can't be proven at the end of the year, but I think all three pitchers are going to have a sub one ERA. Do I do I get the take? Do I get credit for the take if all three pitchers end up with a sub one ERA at the end of the year? Because right now two of them are there, and Jordy Ball's really really close. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You get that. I'll I'll give that to you right now. I got no no problems with that. Jeez, I'm thinking it's like I'm trying to tally up like what the what the record or what the uh, score is in the month of April, and it's like it's like it's got to be like seventy something to four. <laughs> for, so it's for, the two. Uh, it's basically the two thousand three OU Texas A and M game rolled up into like uh, an entire month. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. That's super impressive, and uh, with no no sign of it slowing down. Like I don't know anything about Kansas. Maybe they're going to have uh, a really good comeback. And Oklahoma State is. Have they got it? They lost four straight at one stretch. Have they, they got things back on the track? I uh, I don't know what time they play today, but they got swept last week at Texas. So yeah. the answer as of right now is no. They are trying to figure out. 35 consecutive, 35-game uh, win streak for OU softball right now. Wow. Hey, nice. OU's had two players that have entered uh, into the portal. Damon Harmon, defensive back. Jamarian Burt, defensive back. I think Damon Harmon had like 18 tackles and two starts last year. Um, it does not change my opinion of the defensive backs. Does it change yours with these two uh, portal guys? No, it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still really happy with the overall depth of the secondary, both safety and corner. Um, I don't. This really doesn't change it. Not to say that uh, these aren't good players. I think they are. Um, you know, and I think they'll they'll have success elsewhere. So I don't want to act like, oh, it ain't going to matter with those guys hitting the portal. I don't I don't mean that at all. I just mean that we have we have more depth right now than 
maybe any time that I can remember in the secondary at, at corner and safety. So they're going to be able to absorb that. My question is, are those transfer portals as in uh, those guys decided to jump in the portal or is it like a mutual thing? I would guess mutual. I mean, I don't know, but if, if I'm guessing here, I would. I feel like a, a lot of the players that have left – very few of them have been like most of those have been. If I want to see playing time, I go somewhere else. Right. Well, and, and if you look at this, if you look at where they've left to where they've ended up, then that it kind of feels like that's 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 true. I guess what I'm wondering is, are these clearing up scholarship? Yes. Yeah, because they're spots. over. They were over the limit, though, I, I think. They need to okay. clear it for the guys that are coming in as, as true freshmen, I think. But will they add someone else via the portal? That's well, what I'm yeah. wondering. Yeah, well, they had two offensive linemen in this past weekend, one from San Diego State and one from Appalachian State. So, yeah. obviously, they're going to look for at least an, another offensive lineman. So, yeah. sure, yeah. Looking for offensive linemen, and even though there's not a whole lot of guys out there looking for defensive linemen as well, and – I don't know if they've got an in with that Florida State guy that, that got in the portal or if he's already headed somewhere. I don't know, but, yeah. All right, uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap up our number one here from Sooner Station next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. You're simply the best. The Showplace Theater is back at Riverwind and with some of the best acts around. Like Earth, Wind, and Fire, June 23rd. Collective Soul, July 21st. I'm going to beat cancer. I'm going to beat it. That's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to win this battle. Defeating cancer will take all of us. At the V Foundation, V is for victory over cancer. V is for victory over giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Join our team in the fight against cancer at V.org. It's the rush on the ref, Diamond Sports. They have gone final in Norman. OU baseball drops game one to Kansas, 8-2. to OU softball wins game one against Kansas, 8 to nothing in a five-inning shutout. Uh, six days removed from the spring game, but one thing that we really didn't talk about was the fact that not one, but two different tight ends scored touchdowns on Saturday, and none of them were your starting tight end. So OU found a role last year for two tight ends within the offense. Now, they had two different roles, but there were two different tight ends that had roles. Do you think we see two tight ends this year, or is this just Austin Stogner or Bust at the uh, at the position? I think we, we definitely are going to see two tight ends. Um, I, I think we'll – now, I don't know how heavy – uh, of a part of the, I don't know how much of a part of the offense it's going to be, but we'll we'll definitely see two tight end formations, and I would venture to say we will also see three tight end formations. Yeah, three um, tight end formations. Whoa, way yeah. that, that's uh, now you're talking. You're you're gonna you're gonna do something to a lot of people around here talking talking well, like that. We we had three tight end formations last year, right? Didn't we? Um, let's see. They would have had Daniel Parker. They would have had Braden Willis. Who would have been lined up as the other tight end in that situation? Um, 
Did did Llewellyn play some last year? Ah, I, I don't remember if he was included in that three tight end package, but if that's at least a possibility this year, then yeah, sign me up. Because I feel like you know, like we had we had two tight end formations in in some of that heavy wildcat stuff whenever Braden Willis was taking snaps. So, um, yeah, I I I think that that is definitely within the the realm of possibility. Yeah. Now, not going to be heavy. That's that short short yardage goal line type of stuff where you'll have a tight end on the line, usually a wing, and then maybe a, a, a tight end in the backfield. But definitely, I think two tight end formations are going to be a big part of the offense, just like they were last year. But someone's got to emerge. All right, quick timeout, hour number two of the rush. Coming up next, hanging out here today at Sooner Station. Stay tuned. Everything's so good. Fourteen hundred AM, KREF, Norman, Moore, Oklahoma City, and ninety-nine point three FM, K twenty-five seven DA, the Ref Sports Radio Network. GMC continues its commitment to professional-grade engineering in the GMC Truck Series.